We found out a couple weeks ago, actually like last week, that the, uh, the uh, heater doesn't work. So you're just going to have to worship more extravagantly <laughs> and dance around. That's so really, you know, Sean wasn't really being spirit-led. He was just cold and... No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, what a great time with the Lord, amen? You know, I know when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be preaching. So, uh, oh man, just being in His presence, man, there's nothing better. Sometimes I, I, there's, I think what happens, it kind of like, you know, you kind of ruin me. And I'm like, oh, can we just, no, we're not moving on yet. Just being with Jesus right now is what it's all about. It's just about being with the Lord and worshiping Him. And He changes in His presence. But, oh man, I want to tell you guys, we, we love you so much. Michelle and I love... Uh, being a part of this community. You know, it's just not like we're, uh, it's not like this is like our career or something like that. I don't know. We don't really think like that. I've never thought like that. I, I'm a part of the body of Christ. And with you, journeying with you, growing with you, partnering with you to impact this world. And, and I have such the greatest privilege, I feel it's the greatest privilege that the Lord would call me to be a, a lead pastor of a gathering of believers like yourself. It's amazing. We love you guys so much. And, uh, our heart and soul is here. We're so committed to you, and the Lord's been speaking to uh, us about what He wants to do here. I mean, I had a worship team, worship leaders meeting on on Wednesday with Sean and Jen and Charity, and uh, was that was that all that was there? Uh, I mean, Kelly was there. I, I think of the oneness there, but uh, <laughs> glad you guys were. There. But I just uh, you know, meeting with leaders and meeting with the worship leaders, it's amazing what God is saying, and it's amazing what God is doing. Uh, this has been an exciting year of people's lives being transformed. I think you guys know that, but I'm telling you, glory to glory, I'm telling you, <laughs> exponential here, all right? So you can continue to expect the Lord to do great things. But we love you, and we're so appreciative of people who would partner. You know, those of you who serve, uh, especially the leaders who are leaders of teams or leaders of leaders, and you give so much of your time, and, and those of you who are sowing into this community financially or in prayer, believing God with us. It's just so amazing, you know? So thank you. Thank you for partnering with us. We appreciate you a lot. That's a good way to start Thanksgiving uh, week, right? Appreciate you. So uh, turn with me to Deuteronomy 8 and Deuteronomy 26. We're going to spend most of the time in Deuteronomy 26, but I want to start in Deuteronomy uh, 8. And um, let's let's open our hearts to the word of the Lord right now because I'm not really ready to preach yet. I want to talk to Jesus a little bit more. <laughs> kind of being silly. But just open your heart to Him. Just ask Him to speak to you. Father, I'm asking that you would give a revelation of who you are, your goodness. And you would awaken in us a response, the wisdom of following you, trusting and obeying you. Awaken that response in us. Just ask the Lord, awaken that response in me. Show me who you are and how to follow you. This Father, I ask that you would speak to us. Speak to me. Cut us deep, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we have been uh, in this series called From Lack to Abundance, where the Lord has been teaching us how He wants to bring abundance even in the midst of lack. And the reality is, is that this is not a, um, uh, this has not been a stewardship series. Let's just say that. This has not been a series about how you need to or how to manage 
your finances or even how to manage God's finances. Although we've touched on a few things, and we probably will touch on a few things, because stewardship is really essential of how to steward the blessing that God actually gives us. You know, you don't want holes in your net when you catch fish. You don't want holes in your bucket when you're pouring water into it. You don't want holes in your finances. We need to steward the blessing of God in our life. Saving, budgeting, learning how to get out of debt, all very, very important. Lots of good wisdom there. We need to walk in God's ways in that way. But I just wanted to make it clear that this series has not been a stewardship series. It's been a prophetic word from the Lord to us. It's been a series of messages from God to us about how He can and will bring abundance even in the midst of lack. That, that, that despite recession, despite struggles, despite opposition from people in our lives, despite whatever, God wants to break off a lack or poverty mentality in our own hearts. He wants to break off our dependence upon this world system and He wants to convince us that He is our provider. Amen? That He is our provider. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. That is the response that He wants to awaken in the hearts of His people. That God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my provider. I shall not lack. There's no lack in the kingdom. I'm not going to just have sufficiency. I'm not, not going to struggle. I'm going to live in abundance because God is my shepherd. And so what the Lord has been doing is been, been trying to reveal to us what it is that He wants to do in us. And He's been awakening that in us. He's been calling us to position ourselves. Now, some of that positioning ourselves for the abundance that he wants to bring is, of course, stewardship kinds of principles that, like I said, we may talk about or it'd be great in a whole other message series, how to steward your life, how to steward your finances. Good stuff, okay? But in this series, we've been specifically learning things we need to do to position our hearts and to make adjustments to really see the Lord bring abundance. It's not just... You know, when the economy gets better, you know, things will get better or something like that. No, God wants His people shining as light in the midst of darkness, obviously in every area of our life, but also in finances. He wants His people stepping into abundance so that we would have an abundance for what? Every good work. Not, this is not a series about selfishness and greed and just think about myself or something like that. This is about God's people receiving the fullness of what God wants to do in their life so we can impact this world the way He wants Amen? So we've, we've, we've seen principles like, like contentment and thankfulness. Right? The fact that, that, that uh, uh, contentment is faith-oriented to the past and that it leverages my past for what God wants to do in my future. And we talked about that a while ago. <laughs> you know? that, that, that the Lord wants to bring this abundance into our life, but, but we have to embrace the blessing that He's brought in the past. We've got to say, thank you, Lord. You've been faithful to me and leverage that for what he wants to do in the future. We've talked about hearing God, that, that hearing the Lord is essential to bring what he's doing in the spiritual realm and see it manifest in the natural realm. It's, it's not just like God has a promise for me and I just kind of like go through my day and a miracle might just happen. But no, we as a people of God, miracles happen when people hear the Lord. And we've learned that his voice is our provision. We don't need more money. We don't need more of this, more of that. We need more of his voice. We need to learn how to hear God. Now that... That just means, Lord, what do you want me to do? Maybe he wants you to go get a, go look for a job over there, go to school or whatever. It doesn't mean that, that he's not going to tell you practical things to do, but we don't know what to do unless we hear his voice. Without his voice, we're just guessing like everyone else. You're just tied to the economic system, tied to the wisdom of economic uh, you know, professionals or whatever. 
We've got to hear the Lord. It's the, it's the, it's cutting edge. There you go. You want to be relevant in the cutting edge and hear the Lord. We, we've learned these types of things. We've learned that we need to position our heart. And the last couple of weeks, we've been learning about the heart and the wisdom and the purpose of tithing. Why? Because throughout the scriptures, whenever God makes a promise or God uh, in, invites us to trust Him with the first tenth, the tithe mean, means a tenth or a ten percent, the first part of our income, when the Lord invites us to trust Him and to honor Him with that first part of our wealth, the tithe, He always promises abundance. I mean, how can you say, I believe God for abundance? It's in the Word. He makes a promise. And then be like, I'm not into that tithing thing. How, how, how can a person say that? I mean, really, honestly, tithing is simply an act of faith. It's simply a demonstration that I believe that His promise is, I will pour out blessings so much that you won't even be able to contain it. Remember in Malachi 3? Test me, He says. Test me. Bring the whole tithe. Whole tithe into the storehouse. Man, you'll have more than enough. And I'll rebuke the devourer. Physical, physically or spiritually, a devourer that's eating away at your income. That could be, oh, I took a job for less. The Lord wants to rebuke that devourer. He wants to bring increase in our life. Okay, and that's not, again, that's not a greedy statement. That's just, word says that. But how can you say, oh, I believe God for abundance, but you don't tithe? The question, I, honestly, I love, I love to challenge myself with this question all the time. Lord, if I really believed what you said, what would I do? How would I live if I really believed what you said? And that's all that really, that's, that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. If, if we really believed that God had made these promises for abundance, well, how, how would I respond to that? How would I live? I mean, ask that question of yourself. If Jesus really is coming back, he's going to reign over the nations. I mean, really am going to live for eternity with the Lord. Well, what, what does that mean for my life? How much of my life aligns with that reality? What does it look like to live in light of that reality? If God has made promises to you, then ask the question, well, if this is true, then how should I live? Does, does your lifestyle align with the reality of God's faithfulness and His promises and the reality of Jesus' Lordship? Does it? Just simple. And that's what we've been talking about even with this tithing thing. It's not a way to earn God's favor or make Him not mad. Like maybe he'll will trick him, you know? Like a genie, rub the lamp, you know? Manipulate God into giving something to us. No, it's a, a, tithing is worship and honor. And today I want to talk to you about tithing with faith. Now, in fact, reality is I want to talk to you about doing everything with faith. But specifically I want to talk to you about tithing because that's kind of where we've been at and because tithing is a huge part of positioning ourselves for the blessing of the Lord. But... <clears throat> The reality is that the New Testament, Paul says this, that it is impossible to please God without faith. That means anything we do that is not out of a trust in who Jesus is and what he has done on the cross, right? That Jesus paid the price for my sin. It's finished. And now I live. Those who have been made right with God live by trusting Jesus, right? The just shall live by faith. That anything I do that is not an act of faith, it doesn't please the Lord. It doesn't release the things of the kingdom of God. And so, I want to talk to us about how to tithe with faith. That faith, the tithing is an act of faith. And yet, so often our hearts become disconnected from that action of tithing. And we do it sometimes maybe out of a religious roteness, or we lose 
side of why we do it, so we stop doing it, or, or, or whatever. But look with me in Deuteronomy 8, and remember what God says about the blessing He's going to pour out in verse 4. I'm sorry, <clears throat> I don't know why I said that. Verse 10, I saw 10, I said 4. I don't know, you're going to need to pray for me here. <laughs> verse 10, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Right? God is saying, hey, I'm trying to teach you guys how to hear my voice and live by my voice. We've been talking about this. And when you step into that promise that I've given you, when you step into the blessing, the promise that I have for you, bless God. Bless Him for what He has given to you. And He goes on. He says, beware that you do not forget. Beware. Be careful. Be very, very careful that you don't forget he says, don't forget the Lord your God by not, by not keeping His commandments, His judgments, His statutes, which I command you today. And he says in verse 12, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which, you, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions in a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Verse 17, listen. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. What is he saying in Deuteronomy 8? Remember, remember that it's I am your God. Remember that I am the one who set you free from Egypt. I am the one who provided for you in the wilderness. When there was nothing, I still rained down manna from heaven, caused water to come out of a rock. I was with you in those times, right? That's that contentment we talked about. But he also says, and I am the God who has filled you, multiplied your silver and gold, given you power to make wealth. I have caused you to increase. I got you that job. I got you that provision. I feed you. I am the one who's brought blessing to your life. And he says, when you are full, when you are satisfied, when you are blessed, when you've got more than enough, he says, remember, it was God who gave you the power to do that and not your own strength, not your own godliness, not your own rightness. Oh, look at me, I'm so holy. I'm rich because I tithe. No, you're rich because God loves you and because he gave it to you by, your, by his grace. Amen? And this, this issue of remembering. See, the, the reality is that so often we forget we forget who god is we forget him in the in our life and what the forgetting he's talking about here in deuteronomy 8 is not a mental forgetfulness he's not like i don't think god is worried that we're going to forget that he is god and that he died and rose again you know some of us we do we, we can forget that uh <laughs> but i don't think he's forgetting that we're going to forget like two plus two equals four or something like that he's not talking about like a mental forgetfulness that you're going to like fail the quiz because you couldn't memorize the facts. He's not talking about that. He's talking about something that goes on in our hearts when our hearts become disconnected from the reality of God. When the things of this life, the temporal things,
Here we go. We'll put this down here. Heart forgetting. Our heart forgets when the temporal things of this life become more real than the eternal realities, than the kingdom realities, than what, what you're going through right now and the circumstances right now, or just your daily busy life become more real than the eternal realities, and our heart begins to forget Jesus Christ is Lord. He reigns, and he's going to come back. Our heart begins to forget who really is God, who really provided this. Our heart begins to forget that these promises that he has made to me, he will make them good. We begin to get weary. We get disillusioned. We get, get offended at God, bitter, Right? And these things begin to creep into our heart. He's not talking about a mental forgetting. He's talking about a spiritual amnesia, an emotional disconnection from the reality of God. I was reminded this week that familiarity breeds contentment in the flesh, not in the spirit. When we walk in the spirit, that doesn't happen. But in the flesh, familiarity can breed contentment, can't it? You can hear the promise of God over and over again and be like, oh yeah, I heard that one. I'm not seeing it happen in my life. And your heart becomes disconnected emotionally. I mean, come on. He's going to come back and reign on the earth. He's made promises of abundance. If that's really true, now we got reason to rejoice. Amen? And yet what happens when you hear it? And I heard that before. And what happens is, you know, Obed one time told me that, that we can, you put a picture up on the wall and, and you walk by that picture every day. You forget. You forget that the picture's even there. God doesn't want to be a picture on a wall. His promises aren't pictures on the wall. Oh, yeah, there's a picture. Oh. You know, you forget the tables there, boom, bump right into it. He wants our hearts to be connected to his reality, that he is God, that he has provided these things, that he will do what he said he's going to do. And when our heart's connected to that, that's remembering. That's remembering. We have very selective memories a lot of times, don't we? All right, here we go. Is that good? Who's the battery? Hopefully it doesn't pop. There we go. Selective memories, don't we? We look at our past, we look backwards, and we like to pick and choose what we're going to believe God about, huh? We can be happy. You know, for some reason, trials have a way of pushing us to forget. In fact, the concept in Deuteronomy 8, as well as Psalm 103, remember Psalm 103? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. You know, there's benefits to our salvation, right? It's not like you just have a job, you know, you didn't just get the job, you get the benefit package, right? We have a covenant with God. He's purchased us with his blood. And in, in this thing called the kingdom are all these blessings and all these promises that God wants to give his people. And we're actually told, I mean, King David commanded his own heart, bless the Lord, oh my soul. He would tell himself, he would speak to himself, don't forget self. Don't forget who God is. Don't forget that He's holy. Don't forget that He's made promises to you, that there's benefits. And what He's literally talking about in Deuteronomy 8, this is Moses in Psalm 103, David, is don't neglect. Don't neglect to bless Him. Don't neglect to think about it, to remember, to recount it, and, and, and to speak it back to God. Don't neglect it, because what happens is, is even if you're doing good, but you're, not, and you're, but you're neglecting to bless the Lord, your heart can become slowly disconnected from the realities of the kingdom. You can begin to be choked by the busyness, right, of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, 
the cares of this life, busyness. And when those trials come, we have such a a selective memory, don't we? Because all of a sudden now we're mad that God's not coming through. Or now that, and we forget all the other things that he's done. Spiritual amnesia. And he's saying, don't forget. Or when the blessings come, spiritual amnesia. For some reason the blessings come and it pushes out the fact that we had nothing without him. And everything has been the blessing of God. That the promised land was only the promised land because God promised it. It was a supernatural blessing on that land because they were the people of God. And it's the same thing with us. The blessings of God in our life are only because of the favor of God on us. So you say you're walking through a wilderness. But there's manna. But there's water from a rock. But God is still our provider and He's taking care of us. And so here's what we need to learn how to do. To bless the Lord. He said that, right? Deuteronomy. Bless the Lord. Don't forget. Remember. Remember what He's done. Bless Him. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Don't forget His benefits. This is what we need to learn how to do. How do you do that? What does that look like? What it looks like is voicing our faith out. Look at Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26. We need to learn how to give voice to our faith. To speak out, to bless, is to speak out these truths back to the Lord. Or to worshiping, honoring Him. And in Deuteronomy 26, notice what it says here. It says, And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you should take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land, that the Lord your God has given you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make His name. And you shall go to the one who is priest in those days, and say to him, and say to him, and say to him. Listen, Deuteronomy 26, I love this passage of Scripture. This is God's instruction to the people of Israel of how they were to bring the tithe to the Lord. We've been talking about why. We've been talking about the promise. We've been talking about what you give, a tenth of everything, a tenth of all the increase. All right, we've looked at this these last couple weeks. But this is how you're to bring the tithe to the Lord. The first fruits here, you put in a basket, is that first representative part of the tithe, the first fruits, the first part that belongs to the Lord. And he says, you bring this to the Lord. Okay, you bring it and you give it to the priest that is priest in those days. Who's the priest in our day? It's Jesus. Hebrews 7 says that Jesus is the high priest. And when we tithe, we're literally bringing it to Jesus. Okay? It's an act of worship to give it to Him. And notice that He says, Come before the Lord and say, God did not want His people just to do an action called tithing. Just to like, here's my ten, here's the, you know, ten sheep out of a hundred. Which is what they were supposed to do, right? Here's a tenth of my fruit. Here's a tenth of my my grapes, here's a tenth of this. They were supposed to do that. It's what we're to do. Bring a tenth of all of our increase to the Lord. And then above that tenth, give you know, extravagantly to the Lord. And yet he doesn't want us to come and just go through the motions. Right? Can't we? You can just kind of wake up, go to work, commute, come back home, watch some TV, you know, wake up again, go to work, pay some bills. 
right? And you can be completely disconnected from what you're doing in your day. You don't even have to love your job. You can hate your job. You can do things rotely, can't we? And so often we lose connection with why we actually do these things, right? We're to do everything with faith. How do you do that? Bless the Lord. How do you do that? Give voice to your faith. Say something to Him. Say something to Him. I I find this to be such a core issue in the church uh, uh, like that, that we forget the Lord, that we forget His blessings, but also that we become disconnected from these things that we're doing. Tithing is an act of faith. But like, for example, you know, you, you, you read your Bible, you read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, and so often we forget why we're reading the Bible. We forget and we don't come, we no longer come to the Word of God with an expectation that God's going to speak to me. This is my Bible. It's God speaking to me. He's going to reveal Himself to me. And so what happens, we just kind of read it, go through the motions, and, go, and move on with our day. And, and what happens is what I read that morning or that evening or something like that becomes disconnected from the rest of my day. I don't, I don't meditate on it all day or something like that. It doesn't consume me. What, what's happening? We're forgetting. We're neglecting. We're disconnecting ourselves, our heart from the action. You hear me? Disconnecting the heart from the action. And this can happen with anything that we do, any spiritual discipline, Right? So, so like you, you, you read the Bible and you just kind of go through the motions. It almost becomes religious or rote. Here's what happens. People lose vision for what they're doing, don't they? We lose motivation. I, I see this with reading the Bible. I see this with tithing. I see this with anything from the Lord. We don't realize that it's a means of grace to strengthen us. We don't realize. We forget. I mean, not all of us. I'm not trying to be negative, but my point is this is what happens. If you've, if you've, if you've ever been like that, I, I know I have with almost anything I've ever done that's a spiritual discipline. You're doing it, you're doing it, doing it, and you're like, Lord, I'm just like, you ever like read the Bible and you're like, totally distracted. I have no idea what I just read. You have a choice. Move on with your day or read it again, don't you? Right? You've been reading your Bible and, you re- and, and you've been praying. I mean, there's times I, I don't like stop spending time with the Lord, but there's times I'm like, Lord, I just don't feel connected to you. Now, he's not the problem. You know, I'm not, and there's not to say something wrong with me either. I'm just saying, like, Lord, I, I want to connect deeper. I want to go deeper. But a lot of times, oh, Lord, I feel like I'm kind of going through the motions a little bit. You have a choice. Stop doing it or reconnect your heart. It's the same thing with tithing. People forget that it's an act of worship. They forget that they're sowing into the kingdom, right? God promises you take that tithe and, and, and you're giving above the tithe and you are investing in my kingdom, my work on the earth. You're investing into the gospel. You're investing into the, into the work of God. You're investing into God blessing the poor. You're investing in the church, which is the salt and light of the earth. And you're investing, you're going to reap. If you're investing in what God's doing, you're going to reap. People forget. People forget that there's going to be blessing. They forget that their tithe is going to impact the, the world. And we lose vision and we stop doing it. We've got to tithe with faith. We've got to read our Bible with faith. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to come to the Lord in such a way as to bless him, to open our mouth and speak. And so Deuteronomy 26, i run through this quickly, is that it, I, I love this chapter, it is how to bring the tithe. And it's how to connect your heart to what you're doing. And connect your heart to the Lord's heart. I mean, and these principles could be applied to any aspect of our, of, of, our, of our relationship with the Lord, but specifically in tithing. And I view uh, 26 as a template 
for tithing with faith. Okay, remember how like the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, you know, uh, hallowed be thy name, you know, all that whole thing. It's not like Jesus was telling us we've got to pray that every time we pray, right? Don't talk to me. Just say that. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. It was a template, right? We know that. It was a template. He was showing them how to pray. Not necessarily always what to pray. Although it's a great prayer to pray. Amen? Pray the Lord's Prayer. But he was telling, talking about the template. It was the same thing in Deuteronomy 26. He wasn't necessarily just telling them, like, say this. He was giving them, the Israelites, and of course us, the principles or the template of how to approach God and connect our heart in a way that would bless Him as we give. The tithing is an act of faith. It's an act of obedience. But we've got to use our words to voice out our faith. We, we know this principle, don't we? we? We know this, that when you believe something in your heart and you speak it with your mouth, it releases it onto the earth. Right? There's a power when you speak words of faith. Isn't that how you got saved? Those of us who have put our trust in Jesus, the Bible says you believe something in your heart and you declare it or confess it with your mouth. That when you voice your faith, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, you're saved, born again. The greatest miracle of all time happens. You are resurrected on the inside and the Spirit of God comes inside of you. That's pretty good stuff. How did it happen? When you believed something in your heart and voiced it with your mouth. How do you cause mountains to move? Jesus said, tell that mountain to move. If you believe in your heart that it's going to happen and you speak it out, it's going to happen when you voice your faith, right? The word coming into your heart builds up your faith. So if you're struggling, like, I just don't really even believe the Lord here. Get more of the word into you. You know, when I find my faith is not there, I don't see it like God sees it. Say, well... I need you to convince me. If I'm skeptical, I go and I study it in the Word. Or I listen, listen to some preaching. Usually I'm not skeptical. I just know my heart's not quite connected. Get the Word into your ears. Study the Word. Read the Word. Pray. Talk to the Lord about it. But what happens when you voice your faith? It strengthens you and it releases the things of the kingdom into this world, into your life. <clears throat> so Deuteronomy 26 uh, so you shall say, verse 3, and you shall say, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand, set it down before the altar of the Lord. And so the very first thing we see here in verse 3 is that you're to come and, and, and give this first fruits to, to, the, to the priest and declare, I have come into the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give them. And I see this as declaring the faithfulness of God over what you're doing. What you're telling God is that you have done what you said you would do. Psalm, Psalm 100, come into his uh, house with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We, as a people of God, are to come to the Lord with an attitude of thankfulness and declare, you have kept your word. Right? This is the attitude that we can come. You know, Very specifically, you can bring your tithe before the Lord or just in anything and come before God and say, you have been faithful. You have done what you swore you would do. You made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You made a promise to bring us into this promised land and not one promise of yours has ever failed. Didn't Joshua say that in the book of Joshua? Joshua said, not one promise of the Lord had ever failed. Now, human beings can make the word of God of no effect in their life, but he never fails. 
He does not lie, right? And so the very first thing is to say, Lord, I declare you are faithful. You have kept your word. And then he goes on in verse 5. And I love this. This is really probably my favorite part of this. And he says, And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land with, uh, flowing with milk and honey. We stop there. I love this. They literally, God was telling them, you bring your tithe. And you, with your own words, you remind God, you speak back to God, your salvation history. See, I love this about about who we are as Christ followers. This is not a religion. This is not a philosophy. This is not an ideology. This is not a myth. You know, all the other gods and all the other religions of the ancient world, they had myths. They had made up stories. You know what we have? History. He really did create the world. He really did call a man named Abraham to follow him and made promises to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants, the Israelites. He destroyed Egypt, delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt and gave them the promised land. Right? It really happened. And this God really did become a man, die on a Roman cross, Right? Crucified under a, a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate. Real dude. Right? Really died. Was laid in a rich man's tomb. And on the third day, rose again. Really? Yeah? Is this a story? Yes. But it, it's history. It's a fact. It really happened. Our salvation is rooted in historical fact and reality in both a general and a very specific sense because really and truly there was a day, I don't care if you were two or 200 years old, where you put your trust in Jesus and you were born again. And there will come a day when he will return to this earth and reign. It is fact. It is reality. And what God is saying to the Israelites is do not forget your story. Do not forget where you find yourself in the story. Contextualize yourself, if you will. So he says, come before the Lord and bless him and remember what he has done for you. In a general sense, I really, I really mean, and I believe God really means, in a very general sense, you recount the story of the gospel. You recount. You say, God, I thank you, Lord. You died and you rose again for me. You, you recount the, the covenant story. All the way back to Genesis, if you want. Recount the story. This is really what communion is about, isn't it? Once again, in communion, what do we do? We, we just go through the motions sometimes. And we disconnect from the act of communion, which is to actually remember, right? And so, so literally to remember the story, but in a more specific sense, to remember your own testimony, your, your God's story to remember the encounters that you've had with God, 
to recount the blessings of the Lord in your life and how he has showed up in your life. I really encourage people, write it down. You don't, you don't have to necessarily, but I really encourage people, write down. What is he saying to you? Write it down. Like I don't necessarily diary or journal or whatever. I, but I write down the testimony of the Lord. I write down his prophetic words to me. I write down what he has done. I keep an account. It's like a treasure. I encourage you to be an accountant, to be a, a treasure of the things of God, of the encounters of God, your encounter with his faithfulness, and recount your salvation history. So that literally, I mean, saying like all this when I tithe? Sure. But I'm not just saying that. Literally, to come before the Lord and say, You have been faithful to me. You have kept your promises. You died for me. You saved me. But even more specifically, I see, I can remember not having the Spirit of God in me. I love to tell God this. And I love to tell people this. I will tell people, yo, I remember being dead in my sins. Right, Garrett? We were just talking about that. (laughs) At Citrus. Garrett and I were hanging out, Citrus Outreach. and I remember that. You don't have to remember that yourself, you know? Like I said, if you're two and you're four and you were born again... Well, you may not remember that, but don't forget the presence of God in your life, right? I mean, I, I could easily neglect the fact that I am born again. I remember being dead in my sins, and then one day I put my trust in Jesus, and I was born again. I remember, but guess what I do? I remind myself. That's why I remember. There are times where I've forgotten or neglected that, but I've been cultivating in my life. I'll tell people, I still remember the Spirit of God coming into my life. I still remember not knowing God and then all of a sudden knowing Him. I knew about God, but then I knew Him and He knew me. And I remember, I remember the presence of God. I will remind God, I'll tell God, Lord, every blessing in my life is because you've changed me and transformed my character. The blessings have come because you've sanctified and changed me. You've changed the way I think. And I'll literally recount how he's changed the way I think, how he's changed my character, how he's changed the habits of my life. I'll remember what I used to be like. I will remind myself of what I was like, the brokenness in my emotions, the ups and downs of the depression and, and, and you know, my self-pity bouts. And, and I'll remind myself, I'm not that person anymore. I'm confident in the Lord now. And I'll say, God, it's just because of you. I love to tell the Lord, Lord, you take the lonely and you place them in a family. I mean, I I love my family. And I feel connected to my family most of the time. Right? Got to cultivate that. This principle doesn't just work vertically, it works horizontally, right? Got to cultivate thankfulness. How many times husbands and wives forget that they're a gift to one another? That it was God who brought them into your life for you to serve them and them to serve you. And we neglect that, get disconnected, right? Guess best ways to get connected to God's heart? Thank Him. Best ways to get connected to one another. Be thankful for one another. It's, it's, just, it's how it works. So I literally will recount, go over the sanctification that God has brought in my life, and I will tell God, Lord, I have no blessing. I have no character. I have no godliness or integrity except that you have worked this in my life by your grace. And if you were absent from me, if I were to neglect you and just kind of do this on my own, it would all fall apart. I, I told you a second ago, or you know, minutes, many minutes ago, the blessing, the privilege it is to be a pastor of this church is because of the calling of God on my life. I couldn't do it except by his power and his grace. 
to remind myself, oh, what a privilege to serve. What a privilege to be saved. Thank you, Lord. So I really encourage you. I mean, you could write your story. I, I encourage you daily, weekly, monthly. That's cool. But I mean, at least, you know, monthly, yearly to literally go over what has God done. And don't, and don't look backwards at, at what the enemy has tried to devour or the trials that have come in the midst of a storm or fire or wilderness and then discount the faithfulness of God and discount the blessing and have a selective memory. No, don't neglect the blessing of the Lord, but tell yourself, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Don't neglect, don't forget His benefits. Remember the story. Remember the salvation history. So from a very general sense, but to a very, very specific sense, I will literally remind myself, Oh God, look at, look at, look at so-and-so in our church. We, we, we'll sit around as an executive team or leaders. We've actually done this at church on Sundays where we just share testimonies. Why? That's part of our culture. I'd love to just, just share. Just talk. I love to do this with the leadership team. What has God done? We celebrate everything. We, right? we leverage the past for the future. Right? You want to get victory over your life? I want more joy. I want more purity. Don't beat yourself up when you fall down. Leverage. Celebrate the little wins. I love it when men come to me, you know, that I'm like mentoring or, I don't know, mentoring or hanging out with. And they're like, they start like celebrating. Like, Dave, man, I, they start celebrating the little wins, you know. That's, that's what it's all about. Give him glory for what he's doing. Recount. <clears throat> then he goes on in, um, in verse 10. And he says, and now behold, this, you're still to say this, and now behold, I have uh, brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord and you shall worship before the Lord. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house and you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. The Levite and the stranger there because those are the ones benefiting from the giving, by the way. The, the Levite, the orphan, the widow, that kind of thing. Notice what he says. Worship before the Lord. Rejoice, right? Come to the Lord with joyful gladness. Shout with joy to God of all the earth. That's what the Psalms tell us. See, David got this. David understood how to voice his faith. That's why he sang all the Psalms, right? He understood the power of worship. When David would say, I will bless the Lord, uh, my rock. Totally blanked on it. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, right? Bless the Lord. So shall I be saved from my enemies. He understood that would have voiced that out, release the victory of God, release the blessing of God. They were literally to come before the Lord, put that tithe before the Lord, and rejoice, literally to spin around. That's what the word joy means, rejoice means. Just leap and to shout and to rejoice before God. Remember in uh, Isaiah 54, God actually speaks to a barren woman. He says, rejoice, shout for joy, because I'm going to give you more children than the woman who has children. Say, I'm in lack. I'm in barrenness. I'm struggling. You don't understand. You know, my boss or my family is opposing me. What have we been learning? That God brings abundance even in the midst of lack. He causes life to come out of death, right? He's the God who calls things that are not and gives life to the dead. He's the God of resurrection power. Our, our whole faith is based on a resurrection. That's the beginning of Christianity, a resurrection. What would be the end? <laughs> right? God speaks to that barren woman and says, Rejoice! Joy! Worship releases the things of the Lord in our life. And yet in, De in Deuteronomy 28, God actually says to the people of Israel, You don't have abundance because you chose not to rejoice. 
I wonder how often we just kind of go through the motions and just give or give with grumbling, right? Remember the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because their heart, doing it with faith. Man, it's his anyways. He's blessed you. It's worship. Not only that is, what's the joy over? Rejoice, O barren woman. Shout for joy because you're going to have more kids than the woman who has it. What is she rejoicing over? The promise. What has God said? Abundance. I promise you abundance if you'll bring that whole tithe into my storehouse. What are you rejoicing over? That he will do what he said he would do. But how often do we not rejoice for what he will do and so we never step into what he wants to do? How often our heart is so disconnected so we go through the motions. Here you go, you know, give the tithe, but we don't rejoice before the Lord. What would it look like to literally dance, rejoice, shout, celebrate over what God will do and what he has done? Amen? Our heart of worship. Then he goes on and he says, uh, uh, verse 12, When you have finished le- uh, laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, the orphan, or I'm sorry, and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that, he, <clears throat> that you have commanded me. What is he telling them to do here? This is an interesting one. Literally, to tell God what you are doing. Okay, now, we're not talking about pride. We're not talking about self-righteousness. Look at me, God, I have tithed. I am so holy. Remember Jesus said about the Pharisee that comes before God and says, I tithe, I fast twice a week, I'm so holy. Look at that sinner over there, right? And Jesus said that, that guy was not justified in the sight of God because it was self-righteousness. And yet the, the person that came before God and just said, I'm nothing without you. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. That's that person that's justified before the Lord. Right? We as Christ's followers were righteous in Christ, but our boast is only in the Lord. Amen? And yet, what are we being told to do here? Not in any way to tell God, look at me, I'm so amazing. Or, or use this as a manipulative tactic, you know? Rub the genie's lamp. I have done this. Now do it for me. Right? I scratched your back, you scratch my back. Right? That is not in any way what is being instructed here. And yet God is telling us to tell him something. You see that? God is actually telling you and I, tell me that you have done this. What does he mean by that? Is it pride? Is it manipulation? No, it isn't. It's in humility and yet confidence. Just tell him what you've done. Why? The key here is to connect your heart to the act that you really are doing what he said. We have to remind ourselves that what I'm doing in my life is because I'm obeying God. Let's say you're a single guy and you're waiting for that person and you want to walk in purity. You've got to remind yourself why you're walking in purity. I'm waiting for that person that God will bring in my life. Or if you're a female, same thing. No, not no ring, no thing, you know. Come on, girls. Covenant. I want a covenant with, with you, right? Sex outside of covenant. No bueno. So, 
If you don't declare why you do what you do, you get disconnected. It becomes rote obedience, and the enemy can deceive you. Why do you tithe? Come on. It's not doing anything. What, you know? Whatever. What's the point anyways? And you can just be deceived by the enemy instead of standing in faith. And so what the Lord is teaching us to do is to come before him and actually say, I have tithed. Not pride. Just, Lord, I am giving to you what you have given to me. I love it in verse 10. He says it this way. Behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Lord, have given me. See? Lord, I am giving to you to honor you what you have given to me. I acknowledge it's all by your grace. Thank you for dying for me, rising again. I belong to you. You've been faithful to me. But Lord, I'm giving it to you. Lord, I haven't worshipped other gods. I'm not trusting in my own income. I'm trusting in you to be my provider. I haven't given this, you know, to pay, you know, my credit card bill. I haven't used this to gamble, invest in the stock market. I've given it to you. Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart will be. Right? It's not wrong to save. Actually, quite wise, but Jesus said, Where your heart is, there, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Right? Tomorrow, you could lose all your retirement. Who is your provider? You lose all your savings. Who is your provider? Lord, I have tithed. I have trusted you. I have invested my life, my time, my money, everything I am, my heart into your kingdom. You are my provider. What are you saying? In the hardest times, there's confidence there, isn't there? God, I, I, I have believed you. I have tithed. You are my provider. You are my God. Everything could fall apart. But you are my God. And maybe everything has fallen apart for you. But you are my God. This is what you're saying. And the Lord actually wants us to say these kinds of things to him. And then, the last verse. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us just as you swore. To our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. What's the last thing that you need to do? Ask. Ask Him. Voice your faith by asking the Lord. Prayer is an act of faith that you believe God will do what He said He will do. You're not trying to twist His arm. You're not trying to convince Him. You're trying. You're not trying. You are simply in relationship, coming before the Lord and speaking out faith to the Lord. Father, I ask you, in the name of Jesus, bless according to your promise. Aren't we told that? Didn't Jesus teach us? Whatever you ask in in my name of the Father, it will be done for you, right? Didn't Jesus teach people all the time? Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you, right? What was he teaching people to do? Voice out their faith. Was he teaching them that? Because God doesn't really want to do it for you. No, he said, God's a good God. He already knows what you need. So ask. See, in our, in, our, in our religious mindset, that doesn't make any sense. Well, he already knows. Why should I ask? But you don't understand how it works. You voice your faith out to the Lord. You know, if, 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 honestly, my kids are walking around going, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. Nobody ever feeds me. You know, honestly, I mean, they don't do it quite like that. But let's say that, you know, they grumble or complain or make some comment or something like that. I'm pretty much going to ignore them. I might remind them, because we've had this conversation before, hey, all you got to do is ask. Why? Because, one, that's just annoying. 
right? Grumbling, complaining, you know, it's all annoying to God. But, but no, I'm sure he's less annoyed than we are. But um, patient. Uh, but it's so unhealthy, isn't it? Just ask. Dad, you're so good. Could I have some food, please? You know, of course. Just ask me. What would you like? The Lord wants us to be specific. Ask him. Ask him. Bring that tithe, declare his faithfulness, and ask. You know why we don't ask? You know why we don't ask? We don't believe that he'll actually do it, right? Oh, but I did ask once. What did Jesus say, though? You've got to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Why? Because until it looks like heaven on earth, we're not done yet, right? I, I, you know, why? Because we live in a broken world. We got, we're messed up. A lot of times we're the ones who need to get changed anyways. So we bring the things on earth before God until the things on earth like, look like the things in heaven. And he said, hey, if you're hungry and you're knocking on your friend's door for some bread and he won't open the door, what do you do? You keep knocking. How much more will God open the door if you keep knocking, right? Jesus was teaching people, you don't just ask once, you persevere in faith. You ask and you ask and you ask. You tithe and you tithe and you tithe and you ask and you ask and you ask. And you don't give up until it looks on earth as it is in heaven. It's not earning. You're not trying to convince God to do something he doesn't want to do. What are you doing? Father, bless me according to what you swore, according to your promise. You notice that this is a corporate blessing too? This is a corporate blessing? Lord, bless, bless your people. Bless your people according to your promise. It's, 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 it's intercessory. It's not just, Lord, help me, my little needs, meet my little needs. Let's bless your people, Lord. As we walk in your ways, bless your people, pour out abundance, right? Me too, God. But not just selfish. Oh, just meet my needs, Lord. Just meet my needs. Just daily bread. Just meet my needs, Lord. That's selfish, isn't it? No, God wants his people to have an abundance for every good work. Lord, pour out your blessing so that I can give, so that I can serve people, so that I, so I can do what you've called me to do. <clears throat> so, this is what the Lord is saying. Yes, to tithe and all that, but with faith. To speak, to voice out your faith before the Lord. Some of you, you do, you need a job or whatever. Ask him. Some of us need wisdom. What do you ask for? Ask for wisdom. If anyone likes wisdom, let us ask of, ask of God, right? Oh, I need to know what you want me to do. Speak to me, Lord. What about daily bread? Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, ask for daily bread. And why do we think daily bread is just, just a little bit? Just a little bit. You know, just ask for a little. Just ask for daily bread. Just a little bit. Just for sufficient. Just, just enough to get by, God. Why do we interpret daily bread as that? When we're talking about Jesus Right? Didn't Jesus multiply loaves and fish and he had leftovers? After feeding 5,000 people, he had leftovers, he had abundance. And if he had a million people, don't you think he'd still have leftovers? Why? Because there's no lack in the kingdom. Why do we think daily bread is lack? Why do we think daily bread is sufficiency? I think daily bread is abundance. You're simply saying, God, you're my provider. You're my daily provider. You're my daily bread. And I'm going to live by your voice and not just by the bread. I'm believing you for daily abundant bread. Right? Why, why are we, oh Lord, just give me my daily bread. We think that's such a, like a lack of verse. It's not a lack of verse. We're talking about Jesus. He had leftovers. So hey, uh, hey Father, you know, when Jesus asked you for daily bread, he had leftovers. <laughs> why is it daily bread? Because you're to trust him every day. Because it's not like, oh, just let me win the lotto. Right. right we have more hope in the lottery 
than we do in the Lord promising to bring abundance. Oh, I don't tithe, but I go buy a lottery ticket. You know, who's your provider? It's such a false hope, isn't it? Oh, it doesn't want to provide that way. It doesn't want to provide. I mean, maybe. Hey, it gives you the number. I'm down. But (laughs) he doesn't want to provide that way. He wants to provide daily, abundantly to you as you partner with him and trust him. So here's the deal. Hey, this, this week, great week to talk about this, Bunny. Huh? I totally believe this was from the Lord, whether it was Thanksgiving week or not. But great week to like, I really want to encourage you. Spend some time this week before Thanksgiving. Get away with God. Recount the blessings. Meditate on the Lord. Meditate on the story. And go through what has he said to you. And what is he, what is he doing in your life? I, I'd encourage you to do that before Thanksgiving. But also, spend some time. You know, you got football and, and meals and food and hanging out with people, but... What if you spent some time with family or friends honoring one another, thanking one another, recounting the, the blessings of God to one another, testifying, right? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, encouraging one another in that. That would be so awesome to do, wouldn't it? And yet, this is, shouldn't be, it's not like we're thankful people around Thanksgiving. What are we, you know, like Americans or something? No, we're citizens of heaven, right? No, I'm joking. We are Americans, but we're citizens of heaven, Thankfulness is the language of faith. It's the, it's the natural, it's the native tongue of the kingdom. Every day, rejoicing always, giving thanks in all circumstances and praying continually for this is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. This should be our language all the time. Rejoicing over the things that God has done. Rejoicing over what he's going to do. Thankfulness. And so I, I encourage you to do that, just recounting it and going over it. But I also encourage you, everything you do, do it with faith. You bring your tithe before the Lord. I mean, I know churches that they hold up the tithe and make declarations. They, they bring it to the front. I know churches, they bring the tithe and they all start celebrating and rejoicing. I mean, they really, they do what we've been talking about today. And you know, I don't know what corporately the response will be for us. Although, hey, I mean, some declaration rejoicing would be fun. But what if even just in worship, you bring your tithe in the midst of worship or before you come on a Sunday morning and just rejoice, make some declarations. What if... Um, you know, I, I pay, to uh, be honest, I pay the, uh, our tithe, not pay, but give our tithe on, online with bill pay, just because I can never remember anything on a Sunday morning besides preaching, and, um, and loving you. And, uh, but you know, sometimes I get disconnected from that action, Blink. right? So I started recounting, what the, whether it be, sometimes it's just in my prayer time, dip, to, uh, apart from when I actually do the bill pay thing or, or actually when I do the bill pay like I click in faith you know it's really you know but you can't hold it up I can hold up the computer no I'm joking but but I want more than that to be honest what about when you do your budget oh you start doing your budget get all anxious you know I don't I used to because my focus was on what was there instead of my God I budget, I do all that and rework the numbers and all that because that's being a good steward. But I do it in faith. He's my provider. Man, if I don't see the money there, I go, oh, <laughs> he's my provider. No, I don't, and I don't mean that like in a, some sort of, I'm being kind of silly. I don't mean that like in a uh, not being faithful kind of sense. I go, well, got to be there somewhere. Let's just rework the numbers. No, or God's going to have to come through. I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, I mean, Lord's going to provide. I don't worry. That's what I mean. Budget with faith. Tithe with faith. Like, come before. I say, I will not be afraid of you, budget, in the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? God is my provider. Lord, give me insight and understanding how to do this, you know? 
That kind of thing. Come before the Lord of faith. Make declarations over these actions. When you read your Bible, God, I believe you're going to speak to me. Lord, connect my heart to this reality. Right? Voice your faith in everything we do. That we would be a people that rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray, continue, all right? Sean, worship team, come on up. Let's respond to the Lord. Let's respond to the Lord. Sean's going to lead us into a song. I, I don't know if that one song uh, about Jesus getting victory over death or whatever. It'd be kind of fun. He's alive, we're alive. No more death, no more sin. No, not that one. Marvelous Light, that was fun. Marvelous Light, that sounds like a good one. Here's what I want us to do. I just want to take, I just want to take a couple minutes. Rejoice before the Lord. But here's what I believe the Lord would do today. There's some of you struggling with sickness. There's some of you that you're believing the Lord to bring uh, strength to you. Do you know when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the, the thing that they were recounting in Deuteronomy 26, you know what it says, that they came out with tons of wealth? They plundered the Egyptians. And do you know it says that there was none feeble? Because the Lord says, I am the Lord who heals you. I take sickness from the midst of you. You know what Romans 8 says? That the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Death too. Sickness too. What I want us to do is I want us to rejoice in the salvation that we have. In the blessings of God. The benefits. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord of my soul. Don't forget all his benefits. Who has forgiven all our sins. Healed all of our diseases. That's what it says. What I want us to do is I want us to rejoice. And I believe that the Lord will release life and strength and healing into you as we rejoice. And I want you to come before the Lord with that kind of joy. And if you need something from the Lord, daily bread, promotion, wisdom, ask. All right? So let's stand up. Let's rejoice before the Lord. Let's do it. Is that a good word? Yeah.